0: Greetings from Long Island, where every highway is a sunrise. It's time for Dave's Gone By, an hour of comedy, talk, and music brought to you by Total Theater with your host, Dave Lefkowitz. You've never heard anything like it, so sit back, relax, squeal if you must. Here's the host of Dave's Gone By, Dave! Tropical hot dog night! Like two in
1: a fruit fight!
0: Well, there goes the Dave-er-hood Welcome everybody to the two hundred and twelfth episode of Dave's Gone. On this radio station, AM 1240 WGBB Freeport, also live streaming on the web at am1240wgbb.com. I'm Dave, you've been hearing my voice since October of 2002, and you've been hearing my voice solo for the past couple of weeks, but I'm very happy to say that back in the co-host or the guest co-host chair, once again, fresh and clean as a daisy from his trip to Thailand and China is my good friend, Jeff Goodman, who, who has just joined me on our little big time pre-show here. Welcome back, Jeff.
2: Thank you, Dave, but I must tell you, I have to squeal a little bit.
0: Oh, squeal like a piggy. No, that's not going to... Come on, do I a real know. squeal.
2: Suey, suey, I don't know how to squeal. Now,
0: see, if I were Appalachian, I would have shot you by now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Poor Ned, baby. <laughs>
0: yeah, well. Uh,
2: how do you squeal like a pig?
0: Sueys so, you know, when you call the pig. What, I don't know. How does a pig squeak? Um, I can't do it. I'm I
2: not, feeling, that well. That well. <laughs> I'm not feeling all that well. I'm not feeling all that well today. Uh,
0: well, you had... a Yeah, that, I mean, I thought you had gotten a bad cold, uh, you know, coming back from Thailand, but apparently you were fine, and then you got sick.
2: Yeah, well, you see what happened, Dave. I came back from Thailand on Thursday, mm-hmm. and like a mad fool, they, they had another Price is Right thing. So I flew back... I was only on a plane for a day and a half on Thursday, yeah, because Thursday occurred twice because I crossed the date line, but to wrap your head around that is way too much. way too much. because we landed in San Francisco, I, I think it was eight hours before we left Japan.: <laughs> <laughs> I love really, that really weird. so um, but anyway, we flew I flew for a day and a half, got home Thursday night. and and decide to leave for the West Coast on Sunday. That's just retarded. I
0: mean, you were, you were still jet-lagged at that point.
2: My feet were still vibrating from the...
0: What is the rule of thumb on that? Like, for every hour over three hours into days something? Well, what's the thing about what, getting over jet lag?
2: Strangely enough, I want you to know that after my flight, when I got to um, L.A., Yeah. And I slept one night. My jet lag was totally gone. Oh, that's it was cool! Great, that's good. Because I went
0: the other way. It was kind of weird. Yeah. All right. So again, you went back very quickly. I went to explain the prices price is right. Well,
2: I seem to be doing a lot of these prices right test shows. They're still testing people to replace Bob Barker. Right. And I've been, uh, I, I've done three test shows, and I've done one real show. And mm-hmm. my TV got delivered.
0: Oh, that's right. Because on the real. Price is right. The one with Bob Barker, that you want at the end yes. of January, you want a hammock and you want a big giant screen TV, mazel it's tub.
2: It's huge.
0: And you like have you plugged it in yet? Have no, you?
2: no, no. Are you going to? Yeah, eventually. Well, we have to. <laughs> I have to remodel my living room to accommodate the TV. Yeah, you, you
0: have to first of all seal up the ceiling so that thieves can't just climb in and grab it.
2: It's the TV. You have to understand the box is over six feet long. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable, but it's actually not too too. It's not bad. It's only like. 150 pounds.
0: Oh well, yeah. I mean, at least they did. They put it in when they delivered it. Is it in the spot in the room where you want it?
2: <laughs> well, no. I have to totally I have to totally my living room. I, you, <laughs> you, know, you have no idea how big this TV is. I mean, the, I, I, I've watched. I still watch The Prices Right regularly, and they have never given away this, a TV this huge before. Well,
0: marvel, man. It's, it's going to be a, a wall. It was 60, yeah.
2: 65 <laughs> inch TV. Oh God! It's like. People yes. are going to be
0: life-size. They're going to be taller than you on your TV screen. Well,
2: no, because it's it's,
0: it has that panoramic screen. Oh, okay. Well, well maybe not. But, but if you,
2: it's, it's about the size of that window behind you.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's very helpful to everyone listening at home.
2: Well, if you, if next time you go into a radio station, <laughs> look at the window.
0: Well, congratulations. So how did you do... First of all, who were the hosts of the well, This, this, this time? last
2: time they had um, Mario Lopez. Uh-huh. It was like Dancing with the Stars Day. Is he a it good-looking
0: was, person? He's fabulous. Uga! Okay.
2: So um, it was Mary Lopez. It was the guy, uh, The second time for the guy who does the Las Vegas prices, right? Okay. But he was still pompous.
0: Oh. So, well, um, you liked him better than O'Hurley. You said O'Hurley was terrible. O'Hurley, O'Hurley,
2: O'Hurley was terrible. Okay. And then they then uh, the second show was uh, George Hamilton, who was actually yeah. quite
0: good. Go and very tan. Very tan. He was very he tan. He was very tan. Okay.
2: And uh, and then there was the guy from uh, Beauty and the Geek, Mike Richards, not Michael. Not Michael
0: Richards. <laughs> like. But the,
2: the host, and he was very very good. Oh, okay. So I think uh, Mike Richards is, pretty much has the inside track right now. Well, were
0: you the, did you talk to all your audience mates and they all felt that he? We had, all he felt had,
2: that he was pretty good. He was the chisel. Yeah. He was pretty good. I still personally like the guy from um, The Young and the Restless. Uh, I can't remember his name now.
0: Oh, you like him so much. <laughs> well, did you get to come on down? Yes, I did. I, I, unbelievable. You came on down. Yes. And?
2: At, well, this time they, they made it very difficult for me. I, was, I, I only got to bid on two items. Uh-huh. And the first item... I only over I overbid by five dollars. I was the first one, first one out, and they oh, said everyone backstage was going, "Oh, Jeff holy missed it by five dollars." Oh,
0: so I, in other words, if you overbid, you're had out. I, right? Yeah. I
2: had I said eleven ninety five and said twelve hundred, which I normally I really normally do? I don't know why I said twelve hundred. Mm-hmm. And then the second time, I was the second bidder, and that little—can I say the b-word? Is it time that I can curse? Oh,
0: me? sure. Yeah, a B word is any time.
2: There was. I mean, a little bitch in the, the second seat who who was the fourth bidder, and I had someone... I bid...
0: Sounds like you're the bigger one, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yes, I was, because I could have played Plinko. Oh, well. I mean, and I really wanted to play Plinko. Oh,
0: well. And
2: so I did, I and she bid a dollar more than me and then won the, the thing.
0: Oh, so so was she really a bitch, or she just beat you, and that's why she's she a bitch? Just,
2: She just beat me, so... Oh, okay, well... She, she, you know, because... That's what you do. Is if you really, I, I mean, I think you should give people like a couple of dollars so they have a chance to win. But you know, like,
0: well, again, in, in the test ones, you're not even playing for right prizes. I know
2: it's kind of crazy. I'm, I'm just very competitive. Yeah, at but I'm
0: glad you got called on down. You had the fun. You enjoyed it. I'm it? telling you,
2: the the uh, announcer now he saw me and he kind of pointed to me in the audience when he was talking. <laughs> he
0: knows. He said, "I've been
2: called down more than any other person in history of the Price is Right."
0: Gonna, every time I guess you go for a test show now. They know if you decide to, if they still have test shows once they pick somebody. Yeah, you because know, um, again, you can't go on the real show I anymore. Can never do so that again. Lifetime. Why well, don't you try for Jeopardy well, or, or or Wheel of Fortune? Would be well, cool for Wheel of Fortune. I think
2: Deal or No Deal.
0: Oh yeah, that one too. And then
2: will you come and tell me? Go, go, try again, lose some money.
0: Oh, I, I actually haven't seen the show. I flip by it. I watched the girls for like ten seconds, and then you know Howie Mandel comes on and click.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'm not crazy about Howie Mandel, but but you can win lots and lots of money on that.
0: Okay, if you're lucky. So no. You can also win lots and lots of money in the lottery, but.
2: Uh... No deal or no deal. If you if you can't come away with over fifty thousand, you're not really cool. doing it right.
0: Well, and then you got to be lucky enough to get picked for the show. Yes, And by the way, let, let me tell the folks who's lucky enough to be picked to be on this program, besides yourself and myself. Tonight's guest on Dave's Gone By is going to be the puzzle editor, the crossword puzzle editor for Newsday, and he's also the author of a new book called Cruciverbalism, for people who love crosswords, tells how to do them better, how to do them quicker, tips you know, to get around them, to, to do them faster. He's... Um, yeah, just a cameo in that documentary wordplay. About I can that tell big you how to do them really fast. How do you do them really fast? Skip you them? turn
2: to the solutions page. <laughs> and then yeah. You put that in the palm of your hand and just write them down. Well,
0: that always bothers me when they put like the solutions to Sudoku on the same page as the Sudoku, because they're just too tempting. It's like, why am I it's bothering? Not
2: Sudoku. It's Sudoku. 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 It's Doko. very Japanese, and I want you to know it's very big in Japan, too. It's
0: big in Japan! It's, oh, there's a Tom Waits reference you won't get.
2: Yes, that's right. But because I don't even like Tom Waits. But, of course, I did have. I, I We were accidentally. I had a layover of about five hours in Japan, mm-hmm. and then my plane was four hours delayed. So I was like nine hours in Japan. Well.
0: Could have been worse. Come on. They, they gave us a meal. Here.
2: They gave us a meal allowance, which was pretty good. And I actually had sushi and in, uh, in in Japan. Ooh, plain
0: was... sushi. Oh no, no, you mean physically in Japan? Yeah. Ooh, was it different? Was it better? I... Fresher? I yeah, guess. Yeah. Smaller? Who knows? <laughs> it like, was know. one row on two drops of rice for fifty dollars. No, it actually
2: it was actually quite quite reasonable. It was like oh. I had I had like more sushi more than I could really eat. Plus I had a little soup before oh, kind of cold. And uh I think the whole meal cost me like seven dollars. Nice. No and that was airport money. I mean that's in, in the an airport, airport which
0: is gonna be supposedly more than supposedly
2: of course it's more.
0: Well maybe in other countries it isn't. I don't know.
2: Then we were laid over when we went to China and they gave us the equivalent of like a dollar fifty a person. So <laughs> <laughs> which I gave I gave mine to my friend Pop who who was thrilled and went over to the Burger King because you can only eat it at like the Burger King, a Dairy
0: Queen. How odd is that? I mean with American money? No, they gave you in Thai baht. Yeah, but isn't a dollar fifty go? You know, can't you buy like a gourmet meal in Thailand for a buck fifty? No, not not really. But <laughs> and anyway, an apartment. It, for it, it went it
2: went fairly far, but um, but I gave him mine because I had bought my Dairy Queen stuff with cash, and I wasn't too hungry. And he was thrilled because he got to. He ordered a triple whopper. He thought that was hilarious.
0: Okay. He uh, got it. buys a triple whopper. Yeah. No, three dollars. Oh, oh, oh! Well, wow. three dollars in Thailand. Yeah. That's more expensive than a little, well, about what it is here. That's kind of. A
2: triple whopper. No, triple I've never one. heard
0: of a triple whopper.
2: It's three beef patties yes. and all the other crap.
0: Well, if you figure you can get a little hamburger for a dollar and get three of them, that's three dollars. No, no,
2: it's a whopper. So uh, it's yeah. about a six dollar hamburger here.
0: Oh. It, wh- in Burger King? Yeah. I think mean, Burger King had six dollar hamburgers. Yes. Oh, that's why I only eat at Burger King. But anyway, let's. I've got to get on with the show. Okay. Then. I'm okay. sorry. Uh, first of all, I want to well, play. we'll have
2: to leave some time another week to talk about my trip to Thailand and China.
0: Yes, we will, but not this week because this week we have special guest Stanley Newman, the crossword puzzle so, guy. So
2: of course, we, my mic is off. Is that? The, did you just turn? Yes, me off? Yes, I turned
0: your mic off because I've got to get rolling.
2: Okay, yeah, I moving on
0: this, and I've got to thank our sponsors. Why don't you do the sponsor thank yous?
2: Let's see. I have been. I've not been here for a while, but we have to thank MortgagesRock. dot com. That's right. And then Minuteman Press. You
0: Minuteman Man Press, Minuteman thirteen and fifteen Broadway in Ulit, and the
2: Copy Kings of Broadway. Right. And who else? And um, 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 the Theater Magazine, which is called. Uh, p- uh, insider Performing Pro- Arts Insider You Perform-
0: subscribe To this magazine I love it
2: I just don't remember The name Performing
0: David. Arts Insider I Creator call magazine. it David's
2: Magazine First Well yeah cause I-, I said where's that David's piece of Trash Magazine <laughs> It's only stapled Not bound
0: it was bound before, but now I know. They, they I don't... don't
2: I, I am protesting. I liked it when it was bound. I do not like the staple.
0: Well, I have to tell you that the, the folks in the bookshops where it's carried prefer its staple because it lies flatter on the... or lays flatter on their display things. But Go it figure. shouldn't
2: be on their display things. People should be
0: buying it. Thank you, Jeff. And what is the, the fourth sponsor that we have?
2: Well, I guess that would be me.
0: Right. And you? Fancy
2: Schmancy uh Uh-huh. And you can come see us at the, at the uh, party showcase this Sunday. At the, at the Mill, is it, the, no, the Marriott, uh the Uniondale Marriott.
0: You mean, this Sunday meaning the 25th.
2: The 25th, from 11 a.m. till 5 o'clock p.m. There's a, a big party showcase if you're thinking of having a party or having a party. You should really come by and see it. It's, it's quite spectacular. Tons of DJs, a lot of invitation people, me, a lot of, well, I'm the good decorator. Everyone. So you,
0: you'll be showing your wares, as it were, yes. at this Uniondale Marriott this coming uh. What you say? Sunday. 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 Well, it is Sunday night, March eighteenth, two thousand and seven. Day after St. Patrick's Day. God Three go. days till spring. We've got fun chat coming up with Stanley Newman, crossword puzzle editor of Newsday. Plus, got Inside Broadway, where I'll be talking about a couple of shows I've seen, including Prelude to a Kiss, and what's the other one? Uh, Room Service. Downtown. Kind oh, of
2: it's room service.
0: Oh, good. We'll both talk about Australia. it. So, gotta get on with the show. It's talk radio. It's comedy. It's music. It's been here since October 2002. It's Dave's Gone By. Don't miss a minute. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By, and uh, I'm gonna be having some crosswords with someone. See, <laughs> so that's a little pun, a little play on words for you, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm gonna be talking about crossword puzzles. With someone who is intimately connected to them and, and connected not only with the solving of them, but the creation and the editing of them. So, if you are a cruciverbalist, definitely keep it tuned right here, because I have in the studio at WGBB, Stanley Newman. Maybe not a household word, but he's probably in your household if you get Newsday. Why is that, Stanley?
3: Well, because since 1988, Dave, I've been Newsday's crossword editor.
0: Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> journalist puzzles, yeah. So, and, and you've written a book about the process of, first of all, falling in love with crossword puzzles and your journey from being, well, doing something completely other to becoming an editor and maker of crosswords.
3: That's right, Dave. My new book, Cruciverbalism, A mm-hmm. Crossword Fanatic's Guide to Life in the Grid, is half autobiography, and believe me, it, I never would have thought that someone in the puzzle business would get to write an autobiography. But it's half memoir, half how I got to be in the puzzle world, mm-hmm. and the other half instructional to take either a beginning puzzler by the hand or someone who thinks they know how, right. what crosswords are all about and pull back the curtain a little bit and show some real useful hints, tips, and secrets to solving crosswords better and I am a mathematician and statistician by training. I've lived on Long Island since the early 80s. Took the Long Island Railroad to work on a Wall Street job for like five days a week like everybody else. A recreational doer of crosswords like everyone else. Uh, The New York Times on the way to work just to get my brain started. My life took a change direction because of a little ad I saw in the New York Times puzzle page in 1981... That was come to the Stanford Marriott Hotel and compete in the American Crossword Puzzle Tournament. Uh I didn't think a whole lot of it, but I thought, hey, I think I'm pretty good. Why don't I spend a weekend in Stanford, Connecticut, and see really how good I am. I went up there. It was like a revelation, an epiphany. Uh, while I did not win or anything like that, I finished in thirteenth place out of 125.
0: Well, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, well,
3: it was, yeah, not bad. Yeah. What uh, was
0: the epiphany though? It's a bunch that, of people solving well, puzzles.
3: It's like, let's say you like drinking wine with dinner every night, and you just buy you know you buy your jug of wine, you know, five liters for nine ninety nine, and you drink it for the health health reasons, and then you go to Napa Valley. Oh, yeah, everybody
0: drinks it for the health reasons. Well, right?
3: well, <laughs> I'm trying to put a good spin on it to an okay. extent. And let's say then you go to, go to the North Fork and you take a tour of one of the many vineyards there and, and uh, you have a really good tour guide who explains uh-huh. what wine is all about and how it's made and what makes good wines from bad wines and how to appreciate the various aspects of wine making. You could leave there with a whole new outlook on wine and begin to take wine not much more seriously. Okay. Something very similar happened to me as it related to Crosswords. I finished in 13th place out of... 125 or so. It was a very lucky 13. Right. I decided, based on my experience there, that I could improve my skills seeing how the whole tournament was set up. And for the next year, on my own, right. I did hundreds upon hundreds of crosswords.
0: So, like, three a day or something like much
3: that. More, yeah, more probably well over a thousand in the course of a year. Uh, looking up every word I didn't know, creating little fire, file cards with every... New meaning of, yeah, I was a little obsessive okay, about okay, it.
1: Okay, cool, uh, cool.
3: Being not really much of a physical athlete in school, I found my competitive itches were well scratched by this particular event, and I thought I could get better at it. Over the course of the next year, I did all these crosswords, did all these words, tried to improve my speed, right? Fast enough, but not so fast, you're not watching what you're doing. I returned to that Stanford-Connecticut tournament in 1982.
0: Mm -hmm. One year later.
3: Yeah, yeah, only a year later, and discovered to my astonishment that my skills had improved by a quantum level compared to everyone else in the room. And, in fact, in 1982, not only did I win that Stanford-Connecticut tournament, by which I ended up with an article all about myself in People magazine, of all things. (laughs) Talk Talk about weird. This, by dumb luck, happened to be the first year that a national, a true national championship... Was organized, sponsored by Games Magazine and Merriam-Webster Dictionaries. And guess what? Uh, in August of that year, just a few months later, I won that tournament too. And that—what
0: was the prize? Like forty dollars? Prize? prize
3: was fifteen hundred dollars oh, and a okay. six-foot pencil. The fifteen hundred dollars—I can't tell you where that is, but uh, I still got the six-foot pencil in my basement. Well,
0: and that I hope started you're not doing bad things with it. But okay, yeah,
3: <laughs> for display purposes only. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that got me off to the races in becoming involved in the business end of crosswords and I began editing a newsletter that expressed my point of view here's what I think crosswords ought to be they ought to be reflective of popular culture and really shouldn't depend so much on the crazy words that a lot of people think are in puzzles and of all places the New York Times the gold standard of puzzledom had become uh, 17th century sopranos and and rivers in Bulgaria and genus of fruit flies I mean (laughs) In 2001 or 1985, for that matter, who cares and who cared? The answer was only that editor of New York Times Crossword, and I was the first puzzle professional to go on the record to take on the 800-pound gorilla of the puzzle business.
0: I mean, you did this when the guy who was editing them was still alive. So now we can, we can make fun of the dead, a guy named Eugene T. Moleska. If you're an ordinary Crossword puzzle person... You saw the name. It's like, oh, okay, it's his puzzles. And, and they were tough. And But you looked at them as someone who got into puzzles very deeply and said, well, this guy, he's from the Stone Age. He's from the Dinosaur Age. And you literally named him, took him on in, what did you do, a newsletter? Well,
3: yes, to give a, give a step back for just a few steps, the first step I took toward entering the puzzle world was learning how puzzles were made. And thanks to my now friend, Will Shorts, who is now puzzle editor of the New York Times, right. who back in the 80s was the organizer of the crossword tournaments that I won. He was the tournament director of the Stanford, Connecticut tournament and the U.S. Open. He was an editor at James Magazine. So with much assistance from him, I learned how crosswords were made and developed the skills that enabled me to create puzzles that I be, uh, then began publishing right. in places like Games Magazine and various uh, published books and so forth. And the more I learned the guts of really how puzzles were put together, the more that I began to see how it really wasn't necessary to include these crazy words. That with a little bit of time and effort, one could include, a one could create crosswords where every single word was a word you've heard of, a straightforward word. Yeah, it could be more difficult, you could right. put interesting words, you know, uh, Maybe the uh, people might find interesting the word, the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. I mean, that's a fun word, but I think a 17th century Albanian soprano is probably a little less interesting. Yeah.
0: What what is the word for fear of peanut
3: butter? Oh, it's Iraqi butyrophobia, of course.
0: Of course.
3: A-R-A-C-H-I-B-U-T-Y-R. O-P-H-O-B-I-A. Ding. No, I, hey, I that line. We, had, uh, we,
0: we <laughs> should have a fear of Iraqis. That's, that's what we should have been going after. But wait, but, but you put, have you ever put that in a crossword? Of course not. Oh, no, I mean, no,
3: no. i just use that as a oh, silly example. But that
0: was a real word. Yeah, that was a real word. It was okay. coined. It.
3: All words are invented, of course. But yeah. that word was coined as, a, as a, funny, a funny take on phobias. But what I was trying to say is that these there was no reason to, for words that you couldn't use in a conversation with someone who never would do crosswords. There was no reason for words like that to be in puzzles other than the laziness mm-hmm. of people who create the puzzles and the laziness of editors who say, well, that's fine. I don't need to put in an effort. I mean, I'm just going to
0: publish that the way it is. Well, playing, playing straw man, though, when Moleskine have said everything's being dumbed down in America? Kids are getting stupid. Our TV attention spans are short. Why not force people to, to have, like, really weird, obscure puzzle answers?
3: He didn't take that tack at all. Uh, he was very much the defender of the old guard. And remember, he was the house. He was the editor of the best-known right, yes. puzzle in America, and which had a certain reputation. And no matter what Dr. Maleska did, the puzzle would still have that reputation. But I began talking on the record in my newsletter. You see, after I began making Crosswords, I thought that if I were going to be taken seriously ever someday in the puzzle business on the business end... I needed to become an editor of crosswords because that's where the action is and was. And it still is. Okay, yeah. yeah. The best known people in the puzzle business are editors. In fact, not the creators or the publishers or anything like that. And so... So when
0: you see Will Shortz's name on a puzzle, he didn't write it. He just not it.
3: That's correct. He decides what the crossword editor, perhaps much more than the editor of a newspaper. I get asked all the time, what does the crossword editor do as opposed to the person who puts the puzzle together? The crossword editor really is the one who decides what the puzzle is going to be all about, what the level of difficulty is, what sorts of words are going to be allowed, the level of humor and off the walledness yeah, I yeah. like to call it, a crossword is going to have, and what mixture of uh, dictionary words and popular culture a crossword is going to have is it going to be geared to any particular generation or age group. C- crosswords can very much reflect any particular point of view, not political, I mean, well, I vocabulary right. level of difficulty... Crosswords these days are much more carefully edited than they used to be, and going off the track and going backwards and forwards, I would like to think I had a little something to do with it, because back in the early 80s, I published my own newsletter. I got into the puzzle world in earnest by beginning to publish my own crossword newsletter, where I functioned as editor and publisher. I discovered upon... As anyone would after looking at the puzzle business for just a moment, that there are very few puzzle editor jobs available. Well, yeah. And because people hold on to those jobs for a long time, as long as one's mind is active, you don't have to get on a, a train, you don't have to exhibit any particular physical skills, you have to have brain sharp, you have to be able to open your mail, you have to be able to pick up a pencil. Right. And so uh, people have that job when they have it for a very long time. In fact, virtually all the puzzle editorial job openings come about when someone dies. And well, I, well, looked it, died, well, I looked at it well, I looked at it very logically at that time. I was unwilling to wait for someone to die yeah. and I wanted to become a puzzle editor, so I took a very unconventional route and I don't think it's been followed ever since. I started my own publication. Uh, the same way that Connie Mack set the major league record for managing the Philadelphia Athletics for 50 years, he could do that because he owned the team. Well, yeah. And so uh, I couldn't, I wasn't going to fire the editor as publisher, and I, using my newsletter as a foundation, a way to get my uh, skills honed. And, and you
0: put puzzles in the newsletter. Right? That's right.
3: I would uh, accept puzzles from contributors. I would vet them. I would tinker with them. I would mold the level of difficulty the way I wanted. And I used the prose part of my newsletter as a forum to discuss what I thought were important issues in the crossword world. There was no such publication at that time. And it was around that time that I began to take a really close look at the New York Times crossword and discovered what I thought were major deficiencies. The, The marquee crossword of the country, I felt, could have been doing a much better job. The reason why I think no one else had taken Maleska on at that point, was that almost everyone else of any note in the business depended on Moleska at least partially for their livelihood? Moleska was publishing books series with a major publisher, publishing a brand new New York Times crossword every day. And so, right. if you were a big name in the puzzle world and wanted to get your name out there and make a few bucks, publishing your own crosswords, you had to you cross paths with Moleska. Right. Uh, I had no such relationship with Moleska. I was not looking to inherit you know, his job someday. I had no bridges to burn with him, Mm -hmm. and in fact, I really had this missionary-like zeal to try to make the puzzle-solving world aware that, uh, I thought the New York Times puzzle editor could be doing a better job, and here's how, and of course, uh, Dr. Molesky really didn't take too kindly to it, and for several years, he basically swatted me away. Uh, The big turning point in that was the 75th anniversary year of Crosswords in 1988, where many, many newspapers across the country made made some headlines about that. And because I had gotten my name in a couple of papers because of what I was saying in my newsletter, I was appearing together with Moleskin in many of those articles. And, in fact, now reporters were asking him to justify some of the things that he was doing. And that was a major leap, uh-huh. leap forward in the movement.
0: And he, kept, he tried to swat you away a little bit.
3: Yes, and, of course, it didn't work. I'm still here. God bless well, God bless the puzzlers who thought what I was doing was worth doing. And, of course, I didn't originate the whole idea of solve friendly what I call new wave crosswords. I was really very much a disciple of Will Shorts, who, as editor of Games Magazine, had been publishing for quite a few years these sorts of lively, interesting, in some cases very difficult crosswords, but crosswords made difficult by cleverness and deliberate obfuscation, as opposed to digging your nose deep in the depths of the dictionary and using words that no one, not so much even ever ever heard of, but wouldn't even care about. Hi Dave, great to be here talking about Cruciverbalism
0: let's get into the digging of a, a solving of a crossword puzzle because people who feel like they'll pick up uh, the puzzle on a Tuesday and oh, and then they'll wonder, well, why a couple of days later they're having so much trouble on the puzzle? That That is intentional. It's not just the fact that you're more alert earlier in the week or anything you like that. You are
3: exactly right. I hope many of your visitors have got uh, access to the Internet because on my website, www.stanxwords.com, I go into great detail about what the Newsday crossword is all about, solving tips for during the weekend, as well as the for many dreaded Saturday sumper, the toughest puzzle in Newsday by far. Deliberately, the Monday and Tuesday crosswords are designed to be as absolutely simple as possible, far easier than the New York Times, probably far easier than any other newspaper crossword uh, anywhere in the country. It's very important to me to have a place where beginners Mm. can go and get started where you've got a puzzle where absolutely every single answer word is a word that everyone knows. Every single clue is pointing directly at the answer without any ambiguity, without any deviantness of any kind. I mean, five-letter word, uh, kind of apple given to teachers. Shiny. We've got to waste that. Type of, type of fruit given to teachers, five oh, letters, if, is, okay. of course, apple. Or if it was a four-letter fruit. Bartlett or Bosque answer. bear. Yeah, okay. yeah. If you just had even type of fruit, five letters. That doesn't sound like a hard clue, but in fact, there are many well, possible right. answers, right. and so no one is going to be able to fill that in right away.
0: That's more like a
3: Wednesday clue? Or... Yeah. Remember, in a crossword, every single word interlocks with other words. Sure. And you've got it on a daily crossword, about 80 answers. On a Monday or Tuesday puzzle, there are going to be a couple of dozen probably that... Uh, Anyone with a high school vocabulary and who reads the newspaper every day, there's going to be at least a couple of dozen clues that you're going to know the answer to without even looking at how many letters there are. Right. And what that takes is a very carefully edited crossword where anything that might be a difficult answer, any clue that might not be direct, is altered to point mm-hmm. you like a laser toward the answer. I've talked with many, many thousands of publishers one-to-one over the past uh, 20 years or so, And it's amazed me how many literate people, people who are English majors, people who are newspaper reporters, come up to me and say, you know, I've never gotten the knack, I've never figured out how. And I always tell them, you're doing the wrong crosswords. Crosswords unlike Scrabble or Monopoly or Chinese checkers don't come with a set of instructions. You're just sort of expected to know what it is you're supposed to do. And in fact, people know what they're supposed to do, read the clues and put the answers in. But there's a lot more to it than that.
0: So what are some other things that people ought to know if they're tackling, let's say, a Wednesday puzzle? It's starting to get a little more difficult. Yes.
3: Now, what makes the crossword a little more difficult as you move toward Friday starting from Monday? There are going to be fewer and fewer of the clues that are going to be immediately obvious. So you're going to have fewer places to start. There will be a little bit more vagueness, like on a Monday if the answer is pear, yeah, yeah, Bartlett or Boss. You give two examples of something, and it can't possibly, the answer can't possibly be anything else. On a Wednesday, type a fruit, four letters. So you don't know if it's a date, or a lime, or a pear, or a plum, or any one of the no, other uh, four-letter fruits. That's going to slow you down, where I might deal in a fact that would be obvious to people. Capital of Massachusetts, six letters. Well, okay, I right. mean that's not going to be too difficult. I hope again, if you read the newspaper every day, you're going to know what the capital right. of Massachusetts is. There are many more difficult Framingham. <laughs> no. oh. there are many more difficult ways to clue the answer Boston, for example I mean Benjamin like, Franklin's birthplace. I mean maybe that's easy, but you're going to have
0: to you know not, not everyone's right. going
3: to know that, right. and I could get even more difficult than that if you see what I mean. Jim, I'm talking
0: to you also there's things like misdirection and weird kind of puns. I kind of love
3: things. misdirection and puns, puns show up most often on Mondays and Tuesdays in my titles. Uh, For example, I love thinking up titles, and titles are perhaps the most important thing for a crossword solver to look at before they begin. A title on every Newsday crossword is meant to give you a little hint as to what the main idea of the crossword is without telling you too much. I'll give you one of my favorite examples. I had a crossword a few months ago where the answers were all related to articles of clothing, like could have been things like toothpaste cap, and oh. and the cat in the hat, yeah. and uh, brake shoes. If you see what I mean, each yeah. each of the phrases has a keyword word that, taken auto out of context, shoes. is something yeah. to wear. It's a part of part of brakes. B R A K E auto part.
0: Oh, I know. Okay, yeah.
3: So, what kind of title could I give? Well, I could have said things to wear, but that's too obvious. And I thought. Let my mind wander, yeah. as, as I love it to do. And I came up with the title, What's On Today? Which almost sounds like it's about TV listings. Right. And you've got to go get through the puzzle a little bit to see what's on today. It has nothing to do with television. It has to do with what you're putting on. And uh, there is an innocent way for me to get my devious wordplay into the newsday puzzle on Monday <laughs> and Tuesday. But it's that kind of deviousness that now gets put into the clues as you approach Friday and right. Saturday. We Some of my favorite uh, tricky clues I'd love to share with you. Take the very innocent phrase, leaves home, which sounds like you're going out to dinner or to work or whatever. And leaves home, four letters on a Monday would probably be goes or something like that. However, on a Saturday, the deliberate misdirection, which makes it sound like you're just leaving your residence, where leaves is a verb. Just think about it. Leaves can also be a noun. Right. And in fact, if I wanted a real tough clue for the answer tree,
0: right, it's the home of leaves yeah. home
3: would be a really mean clue for that. Oh, man. And that? I love tinkering with what I call the natural ambiguities of the English language and telling you on, on Saturday it's not called the stumper for no reason. Right. You have to suspect everything. And it's not yes, it's more difficult, but it's I always want people to solve it, and it can be solved. If you know, as you should know, on Saturday, you can't take anything at face value, you've got to pull those words apart, think about the other meanings words can have, and don't assume, just because it sounds like an everyday colloquial English phrase that has a meaning you recognize, that doesn't mean you can't pull the words apart and make it mean something entirely yeah, different. Like
0: what's another example of a, of a weird... Oh, here, uh, here, here's, no, here's another
3: one of the great ones. I had one across in one of my Saturday steppers a few years ago. The answer is scofflaw. Now, we all know what a scofflaw is. Someone who doesn't pay his traffic fines who I have to come after or whatever. Yeah. And so I wanted to think of a real mean, devious clue for scofflaw. Well, I let my mind wander, and how do I come up with devious clues? I try to think of words that have multiple meanings that are associated with those answers. And so the word fine is associated with scofflaw, of course. Yeah. A fine is what the scofflaw is attempting to avoid. Fine can be a noun, but of course, fine can also be an adjective. Right. Can't it? And so, with a little bit of devious thinking, <laughs> yeah. I came up with the very devious clue fine skipper, which uh, sounded like okay. a nautical <laughs> clue, yeah. but in fact, the literal meaning, you ought to pull the words apart, and it's not a very good captain of a ship. It is a person who skips
1: oh, on a fine. Time. If, now, if
3: every clue in a puzzle were like that, no one could solve it. Yeah. And, in fact, putting a mean clue like that is like telling somebody a joke. Once a clue like that shows up in my newsday crossroads, I can't repeat it. I have mm. to continue not so much topping myself, but coming up with a completely different answer. And so it's really hard to come up with clues like that, as you might imagine. You, you've got to sit and you've got to let your mind wander. You open up a dictionary if you want to see what words are associated with it. But even if three or four new clues in a puzzle on a Saturday, something like that, that's good. Right. Uh, there is vagueness, like I explained before, about the fruits. When you have a fact about Boston, I mean, I would come up on a Saturday puzzle with something I hope would be really interesting about Boston that you'd like to know, but you probably don't know about Boston. I'd look up, I'd probably uh, open up a tour book about right. Boston. we we'll see some of the attractions are, and uh, there's something interesting that... Uh, probably isn't top of mind, but you, you enjoy knowing it. And that's the sort of thing I put in for it with the answers were facts as opposed to words.
0: Well, you, you keep talking about, again, putting in stuff and making these clues and these titles. How much of a puzzle that's in the Newsday is you after someone else has submitted it?
3: Well, that's a very good question. In the case of my friend Will Shortz, he has said on the record that as much as half or more of a puzzle that appears in print, he is responsible for the clues of Fortunately for me, I work with a much smaller group of regular puzzle makers than Will does. Will gets 75 submissions a week, and he can only fill seven spots a week. Remember, I get about 10 submissions a week. Many of them, most of them, are from regulars who know very well what it is I'm looking for in terms of level of difficulty, what easy clues are, the sorts of words that absolutely have no place on a Monday, words that, as I've already said, words on Monday have to be words that everyone knows without any doubt. Uh, so, because my regular contributors, and they range from Randy Ross, who is the principal of Great Neck South High School, <laughs> yeah. to an insurance uh, an insurance guy in Pasadena, to uh, a young guy in, uh, in Calgary, Alberta. They geographically dispersed a real estate agent in a tiny town in Illinois, but these are all people that have come to me through reputation or through my website, one thing or another, learned about me, and I have sort of train them into what it is I'm looking for, I would say less that has to be changed in the puzzles that I receive because my contributors know very well what it is I'm looking for. But I don't want to repeat clues from Monday to Tuesday or Wednesday, for example, and maybe they don't have a difficulty level quite right, and so I want to keep as much of the puzzle as I can. I don't want it to be my puzzle every day. I mean, it's uh, the contributor's name on the Newsday page as well as mine every day. I will change answers to make them harder or easier to prevent repeats, that sort of thing. But uh, perhaps as much as a third or more could be changed, but I certainly want to change as little as I... As little as possible.
0: Now, in the, the old days before computers, when people, when you were doing these things, you just took a blank piece of paper with a ruler and made lines <laughs> and things. And yes, and sp- yeah. I learned how
3: to do crosswords the old-fashioned way with a piece of graph paper, a pencil, and a very large eraser. Well, oh, yeah. Uh, you think you need to make, uh, make, mistake. you think you make mistakes when you solve crosswords. When you make them, you need to get those words thinking up. It's impossible to do it without oh, an eraser. I can uh, I started using a computer about seven or eight years ago, and just to be clear, I use my computer the same way a carpenter uses a screwdriver. The computer is a tool by which I use a database of words that I have put together to tell me what words fit best in certain places if they go in one at a time. After all, uh, you can't very well have a five-letter word that starts DQJ, right? right, right? Yeah. And the computer is smart enough to know that, hmm. smart enough to take all the words and phrases that I know, either from dictionary or reading the newspaper or TV shows and, you know, all combinations of things, and based on a single word I might put in, say, is one across. So I'm going to put that word in. I'm going to figure out where black squares need to go so, uh, uh, so I can actually hmm. fill in everything. The computer will then tell me the word underneath, based on just the letters, just the letter arrangements of Scott going in the other way, what are the words that are going to fit best. And I take a look at that list, yeah. and I pick the one that I like, that fits well, that's as friendly and interesting a word as I can. And I create that puzzle one word at a time. It's actually just as hard, or perhaps harder, to create an easy puzzle, which I do, by the way, under pseudonyms. Can I reveal a secret to your listeners now that they maybe didn't means. know? Uh those uh, Re- Newsday regulars, people that do my puzzle regularly in Newsday, know that I do a Saturday stumper under my own name, my, the initials S N, uh, average once a month, once every other month. But what they probably don't know is that I have, on average, one Newsday crossword that I create in the paper a week, about one a week, oh, a week, under a pseudonym. I not only do I create the toughest crosswords that appear in Newsday under my own name on Saturday, perhaps the easiest crosswords that appear on Newsday in Newsday on Monday or Tuesday, under the pseudonym Sally R. Stein, which will be a recognizable name to anyone who does the Newsday Crossword, but that's, in fact, me. Sally R. Stein, the letters in that that name can be rearranged to spell It's Really (laughs) S-N. And it's not, this is one time where this pseudonym is not meant to confuse anybody. I felt that because my name was associated with really difficult puzzles when it was my byline, I thought people might get the wrong impression that any puzzle with my name might be really, really hard. Yeah. And so to prevent any possible confusion, I created this other pseudonym for myself for Monday. And so uh, it's my puzzle on, on Monday or Tuesday almost every week under Sally R. Stein. And if you take a good look at it, you probably uh, might not think it could be the same person. I mean, it's sort of making a split personality, schizophrenic, this I don't know. But it's simply different skills, right? You have serious actors who can do comedy and vice versa. Maybe not everyone can. But I take just as great pains to make the puzzle as straightforward and easy, as I've already mentioned, and in, in the ways that I've mentioned, on a Monday as I do to make them tough and, uh, and scratch your head uh, devious as I can on Saturday. It's simply different talents, different skills. And on a Monday, I'm working with a much smaller uh, database of words, many words that will be perfectly fine on Saturday would be too hard to use on a Monday, and I hope my Newsday audience appreciates it. From the letters I get, and from the people I meet in the various places I talk, I'm I'm pretty sure they do.
0: How long does it take you to put together a puzzle of of relatively normal difficulty, if you're doing one yourself?
3: Well, fortunately, thanks to the computers, it takes much less time. computer never forgets a word, of course, once I put it in. Mm -hmm. Just think about the process. I need a six-letter word, the third letter is an E, and the sixth letter is a D. Gee, maybe I could think of them all, or maybe I couldn't, but the computer never forgets any. And so um, pressing a button with my with my professional software, it'll give me a list of everything that fits, oh, and, okay. and, as, and as well as how well they fit. And so because the computer never forgets a word, the linkage, the mix of words that show up in my crosswords is much better than a crossword I would make just from the words I happen to remember in my own mind. And like everybody else, uh, my memory isn't perfect.
0: Right. Yeah. So, but length of time, is it two, three, four, five? Oh, hours? no,
3: nothing like that. Fortunately, a typical diagram that I make for an easy crossword might take about a half an hour.
0: You're kidding me.
3: Well, I'm a professional, so, and I've been doing it for a while, so I, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And it might take another half an hour or so to write, write clues. Although, for a Saturday supper, it takes far longer.
0: Well, okay, well, I <laughs> <laughs> believe you. It's a puzzlement. Hi, Dave,
3: great to be with you, talking about cruciverbalism.
0: And you've also done some sort of specialty puzzles, like for, for major organizations, there's a story in there, like, probably the most you've ever been paid for a, cor- a crossword, for, for anything, <laughs> involved, involved a rather famous yeah. organization that makes <laughs> Yes, a, a it's memory. very hard
3: to believe that some, some lowly puzzle guy like me actually has had contact with about four people out of the Forbes 400. Can you believe it? It's, it? It crosses all income levels, demographic levels, and I have to share this with you. Yeah. Uh, my crosswords have been done regularly by Roy Disney, nephew Ooh. of Uncle Walt, who is in the on the Forbes 400. My crosswords have been done by Gordon Getty, son of J. Paul.
0: Nice. Uh, well, they don't have anything else to do with <laughs> their time. Well,
3: uh, you can be sure people at that particular level are, are occupying their days very, uh, very. Yeah, they're they're different very pursuits young. from you and I, probably. But I, I know for a fact one other fellow, his name is Edgar Bronfman, Sr., yeah. former chairman of Seagram's, before he sold it to a Dutch, uh, uh, French conglomerate a few years ago, uh, he and I met uh, as a result of me doing a birthday crossword for his, his 60th birthday a little more than 10 years ago, commissioned by his brother Charles, former owner of the Montreal Expos. Good heavens. Uh, with cooperation of the New York Times, I created a crossword that was to go on a fake New York Times Magazine section, where in place of the New York Times crossword was a crossword that I made all about his life, <laughs> his helicopter, and his elementary school teachers, and, and his favorite uh, favorite wines, and everything else that uh, well, his brother could think of. An hour. It took, took three weeks, yeah. and I was asked what I was going to charge, and it was the most difficult question I ever had to answer. I tried to liken it to a work of art. If Lemoy Neiman was going to be commissioned to do a portrait of Edgar Brothman using his outstanding, unique talents, and it took him three weeks to produce a work, he'd probably charge well, a lot more than I was yeah. going to charge. But because of the amount of time and all of that, I decided to ask for $7,500. Because I, something it sounded like $10,000 was too much. Uh, although they instantly agreed, I just as instantly regretted asking for I only $7,500.
0: Anyway. So this is a man who's worth billions.
3: Several billions, according He's to the Forbes, uh, the 2000 Forbes 2000 folks who, uh, who should know. Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, you know, the one thing, though, that I was a little disappointed in is that the, the puzzle that I like the best, and it is in Newsday on, on Sundays, is the cross sticks. Is, is that the word for it? Yeah, cross-sticks. I love that, because even more so than a crossword. In, you, you've got the, the phrase running across so you can tell what the word might be that way and then the first letters going down of all the clues add up to that. Yes. I love the whole... Acrostic
3: horse. is a very different kind of puzzle but you've hit on no a very strong similarity between that and, and a crossword. You have a whole list of clues you have to fill into a diagram it'll spell out a quotation when you're finished chances are no one who does that puzzle is going to know all the answers right off the bat because of the way all the clues and the answers interact and the first letters of all the answers spelling out where the quote is coming from. You really only need to get two or three or four of the answers before things begin to interact and get a couple of words here to put you back to the clues and back to the answers. And it's amazing how that process works. I'm not involved in cross-stick calls. I know how to make them. The cross-stick on the Newsday page isn't mine. But no, it has quite a following, but I don't think it's nearly as uh, strong as the crossword.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Because my only problem with crosswords is that you really, most of the time, don't know if you got it right until you see... The answer paid. And I even that it, isn't
3: yeah. true anymore online. My Newsday Crossword is available every day on Newsday.com as well as my website, StanXWords.com. And with the software that comes with the crossword, not only do you know right away when you get it finished because when you put in the last correct answer, a little message will come up on the screen, congratulations, you finished it. You can also get hints, which... You can't really get uh, from a, you can't ask a question of a newspaper, of course, but you can press a button and say, okay, I don't know what this letter is. Tell me, please. Or I don't know what this word is. Tell me, please. And you don't, it's not cheating. And by the way, those of you out there who might never look up an answer and insist on getting it all right, well, I would not try to change your mind, but I think you're missing out on uh, on an important dimension in crossword solving, and that is learning. Things you don't know, learning interesting meanings of words you might not be familiar with, learning interesting facts about everyday people, places, and things that you might not otherwise know. And so if you don't fill it in, that's something you're never going to know, and I strongly recommend that, maybe only as a last resort, <laughs> for what, at whatever point you think appropriate, that you do look up a meaning or a fact about uh, about. Uh, Puzzle, clue, and answer if you happen not to know it.
0: Discover the joys of Esne.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Esne, see, Esne, E-S-N-E, has gotten a really bad rap because Esne is one of those very uh, crosswordese words that used to appear in crosswords all the time. And I venture to say in my 18 years in Newsday, well over 5,000 crosswords, that word hasn't appeared even once.
0: Whoa. No, it's a defunct kind of word. You should put it in like one time. And why should I do that exactly? It's a, it's a defunct word.
3: No, well, i I'll tell you what, word. I would not mention the good doctor's name in a Newsday crossword, uh, and I would not attempt to perpetuate any of the things that I beat on him so, so mercilessly <laughs> about.
0: Right. But, you are, but you are very much happier with the times now the Will Schwartz's... Uh... Will
3: Schwartz is... Not only was he the perfect choice to inherit his job, his skills, his resume, but his desire, and his his diplomacy, by the way, he is a great ambassador for Crossroads. He has his weekly uh, show on NPR, which is very, very well listened to nationwide. He is...
0: Oh, before I forget, mm-hmm. you, speaking of media, I mean, you've done more than this program. You, <laughs> you mentioned you were on TV. In fact, you, you am yeah, a, nice a payday for something. Yeah,
3: I'm a trivia bug going way back. I uh, I have a syndicated trivia column called Stan's Trivia Bits. Oh. It's Newsday doesn't run it due mostly, almost entirely, I think, due to the Newsday's uh, current financial circumstances, such as they are. But uh, anyone who would like uh, to see some of the trivia things that I... Disseminate uh, nationwide. Can go to www.creators.com, which is the newspaper syndicate that distributes my crosswords. I'm also the editor. I'm also the editor of a trivia encyclopedia called 10,000 Answers, the ultimate trivia
0: encyclopedia. Inside Broadway, brought to you by Total Theaters, Performing Arts Insider, your everything theater guide. Yes, inside Broadway, so much starting to happen now on and off-Broadway. The season is beginning. Now it's March, or after that big snowstorm, the weather's finally warming up, and all the Broadway shows are going to start to happen from now until late April, early May, to get in there before the Tony Awards. So I wanted to talk about one Broadway show that I saw last week, as well as an off-Broadway show that has one more week to go that I think you should catch before it scooters away. And that's not even a word, but it's late, and I can say what I want. So, first of all, in uh, this Inside Broadway, I saw Prelude to a Kiss, which has been revived. Oh, that's Jeff doing the Kiss sound effect for me. Do that again. And um, I do want to kiss this version of it. I had seen the play back in its original form, not off-Broadway, but when they brought it to Broadway. um, Alec Baldwin was in it off-Broadway, then Timothy Hutton and Mary Louise Parker. Mm-hmm. It, and then later on, I even saw it with Steve Gutenberg of all people. And he was, it's a nice little Our play. Our favorite Master resident. Is he really? Yeah. He yeah. lives he lives on the island. So, yeah. a, it, back then, I thought, oh, it's an amusing, sweet play with a very interesting premise and, and a nice version. Barnard version. And Barnard Hughes. And Barnard Hughes back then. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the current version has Alan Tudyk, Annie Paris, whom people will know uh, from Law and Order. She's one of those beautiful DA people. Uh, but from about two years ago. And then John Mahoney from Fraser. Of course, he plays the dad, and he plays in Prelude to a Kiss, the old man who exchanges a kiss with a beautiful bride on her wedding day, and something more gets exchanged than just lips and, and body fluid. And it ends up making all people consider just what goes into a personality and what do we really see in the person that we love and have our life relationship with.
2: It's really a brilliant play.
0: So, love, you know, I think more of it now, having seen it in later years. But I also uh, bring that because of what critics said about the original that I never saw in it. Um, they grafted they like, an AIDS metaphor onto it that I don't know whether author Craig Lucas put there. But for people who were watching the play back in the mid-'80s when it first premiered, they were saying, oh, it isn't just about, well, you marry someone, but you really know them. This is a play about two young, beautiful people, and overnight, one of them becomes old and is about to die. Mm -hmm. And that's a very... And when you start having that in your mind while you're watching it, it becomes a much more profound and sad play than just, oh, you know, what do we really know about the person that, that we love? So, with that in mind, it's a very nice production that's staged by Daniel Sullivan. I liked um, it's a roundabout cast. production too isn't as, it uh, it's a, yes roundabout at the American Airlines Theater they've got some wonderful secondary parts played by James Rebhorn he's, he's, a, oh. he's a veteran and he's terrific in almost everything mm-hmm. and he's delightful here as her father go see it Prelude to a Kiss at the American Airlines Theater nice, nice production right there. on 40 seconds very good play Broadway, the best way, Performing Arts Insider Theater magazine. Do go to PerformingArtsInsider.com for more information on this really wonderful and incredibly useful publication, if I do say so myself. It,
2: it really is. I, I get copy of it, and it, it really helps to see what's coming up, who's handling stuff. It's, it's a really good piece of uh, informative journalism.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff. Talk up our sponsors. I like that. The sponsors like that, especially. But let's also talk about a play that we have both seen. And I'm kind of happy to hear this. The only bad part of it is it's closing next weekend. So you have so to run. You have to run downtown. Is there any
2: chance of an extension?
0: It's been extended and extended again. It, yeah. was, it was a little thing. They moved it theaters months ago because it was popular and it got great reviews. Mm-hmm. It's a revival of an old, old play by John Murray and Alan Boritz, a farce called Room Service that's, um, basically, if people know it now, it's because the Marx Brothers did a version of it on film Mm -hmm. that was sort of tailored to them but didn't really work, and and it's not one of their better films. But let me tell you something. You get the right theater company in the right mood doing the right farce, it goes.
2: This works very, very well, and they have some wonderful actors in it. it. I was, like, really surprised.
0: The Peccadillo Theater Company, and, I mean, the lead guy is very good, uh, it, it's not a Groucho Marx kind of role. It's almost more of a Max Mialistaki kind of role. Uh-huh. Although he is more reserved in a sense than some of the other people running around on stage. It is literally a door slamming farce. Oh yeah. And those, they slam loud in this very small theater. But you don't mind because it's what just what theater is. Happening. It's at the Soho Playhouse on Van Damme Street. So um, definitely recommend it. You have one more week to see it. Uh, my favorite actors in it. Um, Scott Evans plays the playwright, who's this rube. He's not a rube, but he's right off the bus from Iowa, and he doesn't know the whirlwind that's about to hit him. And the guy's very, very good. I love I the
2: think guy think. who plays the manager of the hotel.
0: The, 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 the big, angry no, guy? No, the small guy. This, yeah, John Simon liked him, too. I thought he was trying too hard in the beginning, and then he got very funny. He no, like had this little dribble. He's, he's yeah. like running around so nervous that he's going yeah, to, yeah. to risk his job. But I loved... The the man, hotel supervisor, Wagner Like, there's a character That appears often on this program Called, well, Rabbi Saul Solomon mm-hmm. And one of his things is He says, damn it, a lot Damn it, damn it, god damn it you know, you just, That's just one of his things mm-hmm. I didn't realize That came 50, 70 years ago In room service the, well, that's probably where the rabbi got it. And he does it so well, and it's so funny, every time he gets more and more worked up, he turns beet red, and he's just cavorting around the stage in a rage. And it's funnier every single time he walks onto the stage, which is what farce is all about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So please, 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 don't go by the Marx Brothers movie. The play is Fast and Funny, and it's closing next weekend. Go see Rooters. So you to be fast. Right, and, and do something funny at the box office. Or, I don't know what that means. Sir. And there are tickets available because, unfortunately... A more
2: than the box office price.
0: Let me tell you that when I saw it, it was a very small audience, like maybe 30 people in a house. I, that and I think 100. you could probably... And we laughed. And that's tough in mean, yeah. I mean, a small house, you know, when, when there's it's not a, that many people.
2: It's a very small house. So it also means there are no bad seats in the theater. No bad seats. Oh, well,
0: it, actually, it goes back. It's not... It's one it's of those a, theaters with a, a, where you...
2: It's about eight seats wide and about 20, 20 25 minutes. seats.
0: So you don't want to be all the way in the back.
2: But even in the back, when I saw it, I was about at least halfway back. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal.
0: Good, it's a I, good production.
2: I I enjoyed it a lot. So so, and it's also sports. something you bring the family to. Yeah. It's it's not like it, yes, there's nothing bad about. it. Well,
0: except the GD word that we just mentioned a couple of times, but there's no oh, and they they do a, they do a one sight gag with a chicken that's kind of um, shall we say risque if you if you get the the joke of it, but uh, or or the choke of it, but we won't go there. We can't go there. We don't have time. Got to finish up the show and get out of this little segment of Inside Broadway. We've just been Inside Broadway, thanks to TotalTheatre.com and Performing Arts Insider. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By. The dwindling final minutes of this episode, so just have to uh, do some thank yous. I am
2: beggared. It. It's almost over.
0: It's almost. It's well, St. Patrick's Day is now over by two days. I don't know why you're still going back to that. The next, the next big thing is that we're just a couple of days away from spring. Yay!
2: And and next is our Christmas in March show. <laughs>
0: That's right. December 25th. I don't know what, what that remotely means.
2: It means it's the 25th of March. There's Christmas nothing to do Christmas.
0: Nothing at all.
2: Well, it's just on the 25th.
0: And yeah, it's like saying that, that June 1st is June New Year. It makes no sense. Or it be June Fool's Day. Yeah, exactly. We will be here, by the way, on April Fool's Day, April 1st, with our special guest, Joe Franklin. I'm so excited about it. I cannot wow. tell you. And I'm going to try and give away um, his trivia book. So I'm trying to think of a good, uh, good contest for that.
2: I think it's a, a person who calls in and can fool us with the the most uh, the original news or something.
0: Okay, or well, anybody who basically calls us. <laughs> we're so desperate for phone calls sometimes. We are not that desperate. But anyway, let, actually we're not. We're not, and we've got more than enough to fill up an hour, and we've overflow, overfilled this hour. So we've got to be quick about this. Is that the time? Right. So just to take a couple of minutes more to thank our sponsors, MortgagesRock.com. And I want to thank especially Andy Leibowitz, who's the guy who founded that whole thing. And he had this business gathering this week of all local people on the south shore of the island. And we all got together and talked and drank and traded business cards. Very neat thing. So big thank you to Andy for doing that. And everybody go to MortgagesRock.com to find out more about well, you't money, Performing Arts Insider. We did Hewlett Minuteman Press, the copy Kings of Broadway, ten percent off, by the way. For Dave's Gone By listeners, and
2: they've just now gotten the smoke smell out of the
0: because <laughs> they were near that fire. Um, and they, they haven't fixed that machine that does the fold over booklets, unfortunately. But everything else that you need at Ulit Minuteman Press, you can get, and you get ten percent off. And
2: worth. i bet you'll fold them by hand if they really, if you really need them. Yeah, folded.
0: Yeah, they do, actually, they do do that. They do fold them by hand if you want them to. Um, and then once more, fancy, fancy, shan- fancy
2: balloons. Don't forget to come down to the party showcase. Next Sunday, the twenty-fifth. Before you listen to his song later
0: in the evening, that's right.
2: So from eleven, eleven till about four or five o'clock, we'll be there. I'll be there. They in will Union be Dale. there. Right, We're, Uniondale, Long Island. Yes, the Uniondale Marriott, mm-hmm. uh, right next to the Coliseum. Right. And you uh, should see a lot of fun stuff.
0: Okay, so that's for Fantasy Schmancy Balloons, Jeff's business, and people want also more information about Fantasy Schmancy. Fancy, schmancy. Call 516-797-3229. 797-3229. Got to do a couple of shout-outs. Shout-out to Nihal and G. Just want to say sorry about the snow and, and we screwed up some plans we had yesterday, but I hoped they enjoyed the bubble show. The gazillion bubble show. We were all going to go and see that, and I ended up having to think out because of the weather.
2: Well, who wouldn't enjoy the gazillion bubble show? show, I
0: know, I know. Also, I <laughs> wish my mother and father happy anniversary. Oh, my goodness. Mom and Dad, I love you. I wanted to do that. When is your anniversary? Show. Today? Yeah, the 18th. Of of March? Yeah. On high of March? High of March. So it's either 44 or 45. I think it's well, how March. old are you now? <laughs> I'm 43. <laughs> and it was 43 in January, so my... I okay, mean, I think it's a big one. I think it's 45. So, whichever one it is, happy anniversary to you both. Love you guys. 45 you don't more. Know what
2: year they were married?
0: I don't remember. It was like a year and a half or something before I was born. At well, least not after. So,
2: it should be 45 now.
0: 45? Mazel tov.
2: Yes, it's it's the lock. I
0: have the card for it. It's the and lock's Alex, anniversary, by the way. So, anyway, also happy fifth birthday to our dog, Ufty Guft. Woof, he turns five in the middle of this week, so uh, woof, never. woof to you. <laughs> That's exactly it. Thank you also to Stanley Newman. Uh, you can catch his crosswords every day in Newsday. Either he writes them himself or he edits other people's. And get his book Cruciverbalism, from Collins Books, an imprint of HarperCollins. I want to give a shout-out to my wife, Joyce, my beloved wife, who has been oh ill since uh, her little trip to Philadelphia. Oh, well, to Joyce. I want to give a shout-out to you. Well, I don't have to shout. You're right across the room. How? my good friend, Jeff Goodman. I hate when you shout. Quick reminders. Listen to a vintage episode of Dave's Gone By every Thursday and Saturday night on live365.com. Just go to davesgoneby.org for all the links and all the information. You can also listen at any time, 24-7 for free, to 25 different older episodes of Dave's Gone By at theaterpod.com. Well, you don't have to listen to them all all on the same day. You can listen to one a day and kind of get a whole sense of what's. the Kind of like a vitamin. Uh, Yeah, it's a one a day Dave. It's a one a Dave... One a
2: Dave's Gone By.
0: I like that. I like that. And also... Jeff and I will be back at Stony Brook WUSB for the big time. God willing. <laughs> God willing, assuming Jeff's healthy and I'm healthy, and there's there's no like Ice locusts. Storm. Yeah. Uh, Friday March 30th is our next big time out in Stony Brook
2: at 3 a.m.
0: Again, find out more information at davesgoneby.org. Okay, uh, coming up next week, Maud Maggart, lovely, lovely singer. Joe Franklin on April 1st, and then some other stuff coming in April. I love Every Joe week Franklin. is fun. So we will be back next Sunday, March twenty fifth, two thousand and seven, for the two hundred
2: and thirteenth The Los Angeles episode.
0: The two one three. The Area Code two one three episode. you've been
2: listening to the New York.
0: And it episode. actually works because Maud is bicoastal. That's bicoastal, folks, not the other one. Uh she she lives on California but also does a lot of stuff at the Algonquin here. Uh it's the two hundred and thirteenth episode of Dave's Gone By. So until then And then there's Maud. Don't that section with the name of the episode is going to be And then there's more <laughs> Don't miss your days going by This is Dave Lefkowitz wishing you good night A most happy and frolicsome springtime And one across two words Six letters Meaning I've left the building Come on You know this one That's Not right How
2: many letters It's gone by
1: When the deep purple falls over sleepy garden walls and the stars begin to play.